Since pretty much the dawn of time, government has never been a solution. They've always been the problem. And I'm not the first person to say that. There have been many iterations of those very words spoken by people who are much smarter and better spoken than I am. But it is true. It is so true. And right now, we are seeing the worst effects of such, such government overreach, such government intervention in the United States of America, in our history. I mean, this is worse than the Civil War. I'm not suggesting that as many people have died as a result of these actions, which you know, there are plenty of people that died during the Civil War that could have been avoided. And we can say, oh, but the Civil War was, was to stop slavery, and, and yeah, that's, that's debatable at, at best. Yes, their slavery was definitely a component of it, but it really was about preserving the nation. And some would say, I'm not one of those people that say this. I'm not a historian, so I can't go back in time and say which would have been better. But there are many people who believe we, as, well, what would have been two nations, would be better off today rather than being one solid nation. Again, not making that argument. I'm just saying that there are, there are valid arguments about that, um, that if there was a... United States of America and a Confederate States of America, that things might actually be better today. Uh, maybe we would have already reunified. I don't know. I don't even know what, you know, like I said, I'm not a historian and I don't, I don't uh, explore such things simply because that's, that's the past. We need to learn from the past, but since I don't foresee a legitimate civil war here in the United States, not one similar to those of with geographic boundaries of the past, uh, no, I'm not, not too interested in that. But what I am interested in is solving our problems today, the problems that we're facing. And as we look at the economy, one of the biggest problems that we're faced with is, is government itself. We can go up and down the line and see that government solutions have been the actual causes of the problems. It's the Hegelian dialectic in very many ways. Not, I'm not saying that it was always intended to be that way, but in a lot of ways it was. And we can really point to I would say pretty much every action since just before the pandemic, every action that government has has made has been pushing towards the Great Reset. Now, you could say, oh, my gosh, how could you say that? Donald Trump was was president back then, and he was. And I don't do not believe that he is a willing participant. I will say this. He was definitely duped on many occasions, especially when it came to the pandemic. Lest we forget, it was over two years ago that Donald Trump said, we're going to lock down uh, two weeks to slow the spread. Now, I think he legitimately thought, hey, you know, he, he, people convinced him that, look, if we slow, if we just lock everything down for two weeks, you know, everything's going to be better and we'll be able to return to normal and we'll, we'll beat COVID and all this other stuff. I think that they told him that and he believed it. And that's why he initiated it. But if you recall, shortly after the two weeks were extended, he, he started talking about, okay, so let's we should be opened up by Easter. And then all of the people that said, oh, it's only going to take two weeks, they were all of a sudden saying, oh, no, 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 no. This has to go much longer than that. We were, we were, uh, we, we've got to pretty much plan on lockdowns for, for the rest of the, at least this year, maybe next year. And he's like, no, we can't do that. That's ridiculous. And he started getting pushback from media, from governors, from everybody else, the, pretty much everybody in, amongst Democrats. And even a few Republicans were like, nah, well, let's just stay locked down. And he, he never really went along with it after that, but he kind of had to. And that's the unfortunate reality of the presidency of the United States, is that when bad decisions are made, the president does not always have the power to reverse those bad decisions. But that's by design. I'm not suggesting that we change that. 
I don't want a president who is a king. I don't want somebody who could unilaterally make changes, even Donald Trump. Even, I don't care who it is. Nobody should be able to do that. And unfortunately, he had he got conned, he got duped, and the rest of the country suffered as a result. And so fast forward to the day, we're seeing those problems really manifesting. They were manifesting back then, but now they're really hitting us hard in the form of basically the, we're on the verge of economic collapse. There's no other way to put it. There's an article over at, uh, uh, I'm publishing it at uh, noqreport.com, as well as some other sites with permission, of course, an article by Brandon Smith from Alt Market. Uh, the title is Basic Solutions to Our Economic Problems That Establishment Elites Won't Allow. Good article. It's long. Brandon, Brandon is uh, very long-winded sometimes. He does go into to great detail with his, with his perspectives, but I appreciate that. Um, I'm going to, you know, and I, I will start from the beginning because there are a few points that he makes in the beginning that need to be said. I think one of the great misconceptions about economic crisis is that solutions are always dependent on centralized government action. In truth, most financial disasters are actually caused by too much government action and involvement. Central banks like the Federal Reserve are also primary culprits. As I outlined in last week's article, their machinations, which are independent of government oversight, fall into the category of deliberate sabotage. The Fed bankrolls corruption through fiat money creation while government officials and corporations utilize that money to wreak havoc on our living standards. Ending the Fed would solve the fiat money problem, but there's still a host of agenda-driven politicians and bureaucrats to deal with before our nation can right the ship. One clear way to fix our system would be to first force government to interfere less. As a point of reference, considering the, consider the common media narratives surrounding the COVID pandemic. Along with the White House, the media has been the premier driver of irrational fear over the spread of COVID, which ended up being a minor threat compared to the height as the average infection fatality rate was no more than 0.27%. Yet, in response to a virus that has a mortal danger to less than one-third of 1% of the population, bureaucrats declared a national emergency requiring insane and unconstitutional lockdowns. And as I said, you know, I, I, I want to be clear. Donald Trump, I believe in his heart he wants to do the right thing, but I'm certain that he was duped. Now, you fast forward to Joe Biden. I know, I believe that in his heart, he wants to do the wrong thing. <laughs> okay, very much so. I think that if Trump were president today, and he should be because the election was stolen from him, but if Trump were president today, that America would be in much better shape. And that's a blanket statement that's, oh yeah, of course it would, duh, no brainer there. But I want to be clear. I think that after the election, he would have had much more flexibility to essentially say, look, the lockdowns are over. Let's get back to life. He would have gone through through Delta and Omicron and handled it like a boss, okay? And things would be much better. And people would be, oh my gosh, look how bad it is. But at the end, the results would have shown, oh my gosh, look, we're, we didn't lock down and our numbers are better than most other nations in the world that did lock down. And you might say, how, how could you possibly know that? And that's because I can look at Sweden. Sweden has had essentially the same basic, the same basic uh, rights that they had before the pandemic. And they have the same general uh, effects of COVID as pretty much every other nation. There's nations that are much worse, okay, and there are nations that are worse. I think last I checked, their, their rate was like 58, okay, as far as uh, per capita hospitalizations and deaths from COVID. In other words, there's 57 other nations 
that despite being very locked down, they they didn't do very well. They didn't do better than Sweden. And, of course, that means that there's uh, over 100 other nations that did do better than Sweden. But I don't think that you could say, oh, it's because of the lockdowns. You can look at the breakdown of those nations. A lot of those nations are in Africa where COVID really hasn't even been a thing. Uh, so, so, yeah, it's... Trump would have done much better, and we we know that. We know that in our hearts, and we know that uh, based upon empirical data. So let's look at some of these recommendations uh, that Brandon Smith is making. Uh, there's a couple of them that are question, uh, not questionable, that are debatable. I wouldn't say questionable. I think that all of them have merit. Uh, but you know, you could debate some of them. Some of them definitely do not are not up for debate. So let's start. He says, and again, these are common sense things that government could do to fix the economy if they wanted to, but they won't. And they absolutely refuse to. Uh, and part of the reason, of course, is the push for the Great Reset. Another part of the reason is just personal greed. Okay, They get more by having problems and by solving problems, especially bureaucrats. Bureaucrats who solve problems, they, they solve their ways out of a job, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's dumb, but that's how our bureaucracy is set up. They need problems in order to continue to exist in their cushy jobs. Look at Anthony Fauci. So his first recommendation, inflation and stagflation, back the dollar with hard commodities. This has been a no-brainer since, since we got off the gold standard, folks. This is something that, that we, we cannot continue. We cannot continue down this path. I mean, because it will, I don't know if it's this year, next year, in a decade, in a century, but at some point, this becomes unsustainable. I mean, we've only been, uh, anyway, let me, let me go to Brandon. You, you listen to him, not me. The Federal Reserve and their minions have spent the better part of a century trying to convince the public that a gold standard for our, our currency is what caused the Great Depression and what uh, could cause future depressions. They claim that limitations on money printing uh, strangle liquidity and disrupt velocity. This is a lie. And they look, they know this is a lie. Uh, this isn't something where anybody who pushes uh, universal basic income or, or uh, modern monetary theory the, the act of basically printing whatever money you need for whatever expenses you have in government. You know, these, the people that push this are either completely delusional and brainwashed by some college economist, college professor economist who said, you know, no, this will actually work. It's never been tried. Just like socialism, it's never been actually tried. It'll work. You just got to trust me. Yeah, that's my best, best uh, woke professor impersonation. Trust me. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, they know they're either delusional uh, but the vast majority of them are very well aware that it won't work, at least not for the general public. It will work both, you know, whether it's socialism, universal basic income, or uh, modern monetary theory. These all work very well for the elite. They do. Okay. You might say, how could socialism work for the elite? It's about this free distribution of money from the rich. I didn't say that all the rich people would benefit. I said the elites would benefit the people in charge. Okay. Bernie Sanders is not very rich. I mean, he's rich, but he's not very rich. He's nothing compared to Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or anybody like that. Same thing with Elizabeth Warren. But the, both of them would benefit greatly and would have their positions of wealth and power increase as a result of establishing socialism, universal basic income, or modern monetary theory or a combination thereof. They know this. We And they tell their disciples that, oh, no, this is going to benefit you guys. Invariably, those who say in leadership, that any form of, of Marxist ideology, any iteration, whenever they say it's going to, to be a huge benefit, 
they are talking about themselves. They're not talking about the common people. They're not talking about you or me. They're talking about it will benefit themselves. And we've seen this over and over and over and over again. And yet you still have people saying, oh, see, it'll work. We just got to do it right. You know, Bernie Sanders was all over Venezuela saying, oh, my gosh, they're, they're doing it so well until everything came crashing down and only, elite, only the elites were benefiting from it. And then all of a sudden he's silent on it. That's what happens every single time. Back to the article. Former Fed uh, Chairman Ben Bernanke openly admitted in 2002 in a speech in honor of Milton Friedman that it was the central bank that actually caused the deflationary collapse of the 1930s, not the existence of the gold standard. This rare moment of truth from a Fed official was perhaps due to the sheer amount of evidence that Friedman often cited that contradicted the original anti-gold propaganda. Or maybe it happened because the banking elites did not see Friedman as a as a particular threat, and figured no one among the public would read Bernanke's speech anyway, and that turned out to be very much the truth. You can always you can always tell what when they push something and publicize it, it's probably a lie. And if they say something but they keep it under wraps, that's probably at least partially the truth. They say the truth out loud every now and then. I don't know if it's just some demonic requirement or what, but but it does come out every now and then. Number two, oil shortages and energy inflation stop interfering with oil exploration. I don't need to tell you guys this. I did, but you already know it. But I did have a, a very interesting conversation with Congressman Louis Gohmert uh, earlier, uh, I guess a month ago, maybe two months ago. Anyway, you know, and he, he was explaining you know, Biden and Saki and everybody, they were saying, oh, you know, if we just start drilling, it's going to take years before we actually see any, any effects from that. And that's just flat out, bottom line, totally not true. They know it. Again, they, they know when they're lying. They might convince themselves that they're not lying, to, but deep down, they know it. They know that you know, the numbers don't add up. They know what reality is, believe it or not. And yes, the reality is if, they, if Joe Biden were to come out and announce, look, I was wrong. We're not ready to go to a green economy. Maybe next time, but right now we've got we've to start pumping oil. So I'm going to put into effect a 10-year plan. Okay, he doesn't have to say permanent, but a 10-year plan to advance the United States uh, Energy Independence Initiative. And yes, I know that a lot of green green folks are going to be really mad at me, and they're going to be be making threats, and Extinction Rebellion is going to be you know blocking traffic in front of Macy's or something. But this is what has to be done. If they were to do that, you wouldn't have to wait years. It would be an instantaneous reduction in costs when it comes to to energy. Oil shortages would take a little bit more time, obviously, because he is correct. They are correct when they say it will take a long time to get it all fixed, but at least the, the, the financial aspect of it, the relief. And again, it would take an extended period. It wouldn't be, hey, you know, just go, go get more oil. They wouldn't believe him. The oil people, gas people, the energy people, they just wouldn't believe him. They'd be like, oh, you're going to use us now, but then you're going to pull the rug out from under us just like you did with Keystone, you know, once your problems are solved. After the midterms, probably. Anyway, number three, supply chain interdependency leading to shortages. Bring back manufacturing. I'm not even going to talk about that because <laughs> that's a no-brainer. You know, if you really want, if you really want things to, to get better and to make it to where we're not waiting for ships and on the coast of, the, of Los Angeles before we can get our iPads or whatever, then build them here, period. Number four. Debt and liquidity crisis let states establish their own banks and currency. I'm also not going to read this one because I don't necessarily agree 
I don't disagree. I'm just not going to go into it now because it requires more research. I'm just not educated enough on the concept to talk about it. It's an interesting idea. I don't want to poo-poo on it. It's just, you know, I'm not an economist. It's a, an idea that I'm going to have to research. Brandon makes a good case. In the article, I recommend you read it over at nqreport.com. title of it is, back to the top, Basic Solutions to Our Economic Problems That Establishment Elites Won't Allow. Maybe he's right. Maybe he is. I don't know. Lord willing, I will be back very soon with another episode. But in the meantime, you all stay strong, stay safe, and God bless.